Okay. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. The name of the message is not justified by the law. Not justified by the law. In this portion of scripture we'll be starting to read this week, and, and I, it'll take us a few lessons to get through this portion of scripture that we're going to look at here in Galatians. Um, I really believe that justification in Christ is the keystone of New Testament teaching because we can't justify ourselves, and yet we're justified in Christ by his work and by his merit, all because of his great eternal love for us. And this is a very important portion of the scripture. It's a very important doctrine in scripture. And doctrine is just all about Christ. It just talks about Christ. People get afraid of the word doctrine. Don't be afraid of the word doctrine. It just speaks of Christ. That's all it is. It's the doctrine of Christ and, and of what he's done and who he is, and why he came here. And as I mentioned last week, this, this blessed doctrine of justification by Christ alone and through Christ alone is it's a keystone of the New Testament. Salvation's only in and through Christ. There's no other way. No other way to be saved except in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. He is the only Savior of sinners. Man cannot save himself, so we cannot save ourselves by any works, which we're going to see clearly brought forth in the scripture today. You know, we wonder how people can not see what we see, but remember, we were once in darkness too. We at one time didn't see what we now see. It's only by the grace of God that we see these things. It's only by the Holy Spirit illuminating the scriptures and teaching us the things of Christ. So we don't look down on anyone, but we, we hope and pray that they come out of that bondage that they're in, right? Because it's bondage. Trying to work your way to heaven is nothing but bondage. And the scriptures clearly declare that the law brings all of us to a point where we're guilty before God. The law killeth, right? It can never make you alive. Only the Holy Spirit can regenerate us. We can't be saved by the law. It can only condemn us. And the scripture says if you offend in one point of the law, you've offended in all the points of the law. So we're all in trouble, aren't we? Every one of us. We're just a bunch of sinners. And the law shows us that. Shows us that we're a bunch of sinners. <laughs> And who are we as sinners against? The holy God. The righteous God of the universe. It's him who we've sinned against. Now we may sin against one another, but ultimately we sin against God. Remember Joseph? We've, I've mentioned it many times before with Potiphar. He, the first thing he said is, You're, I'm going to sin against God if I do this. And then Potiphar. See, he had the right order, didn't he? We've offended. We, God, God has went nowhere. He's still there. His holy law is there, right? We need to be reconciled to him because we've left, haven't we, that fellowship. We fell in Adam, dead in trespasses and sins. 
So the law kills. It can only show, it can only show our sin and it can never justify a sinner. Never. It can only condemn us, the law. But the Lord Jesus Christ is a justifier of sinners, isn't he? He's the justifier of sinners. It's wonderful news. Those who cannot justify themselves, those who are sinners by birth, nature, and choice, he justifies us so that we can stand before God justified and to be allowed to be in his presence of the holy, righteous God of the universe. My, it's amazing. With that in our minds, let's, let's look here at Galatians chapter 2. And all, what, what can we say about that? All we can say is praise be to God, right? That's all we can say is give him all the glory and give him all the honor, give him all the praise. He justifies poor, needy, helpless, hopeless sinners like me. My, like you. It's wonderful. Look at this in Galatians chapter 2, verses 14 to 21. We're going to read the whole context. Our verse today will be verse 16, but we'll read the context. And like I say, we're going to go slowly through this portion because it's so very important. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compelst thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing, here we look at this, look, look, how, look how clear this is, beloved, knowing. Now he's going to tell them something they already know. You know how they know it? Because God saved them. They didn't know this before. When they were walking in, in deadness and darkness of their sin, they were trying to live by the law. Now, that, now these fellows, and he's speaking, don't forget, he's speaking to Peter and the Jews who disassembled. And Barnabas, too, disassembled from the Gentiles. They were, Peter sitting there eating together with them, and these prominent Jews come down, who are believers, too, and he gets carried away. The fear of man, right? All fear of man gets a hold of him. Look at this. Look, look how, this is so beautiful. Look how clear this is. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. You can't get any clearer than that, can you? It's worded in language that we can understand. Knowing that a man's not justified by the works of the law. What does that mean? That means we're not justified by the works of the law. That's what that means. That's exactly what that means. It's wonderful. But look at this. But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. What a verse. He doesn't just say it once. And remember who the true author of this is. Paul's just the penman. The true author is the Holy Spirit of God. Remember that. So the Holy Spirit of God is telling you and I today as believers that we can never be justified by the law. He's not just telling us, but the scriptures are there for everyone to read, right? But men, they read the Bible and they don't believe it. Why do people try to justify themselves, justify themselves by the works of the law? Because they don't believe what the word says. They don't believe it. They may be sincere. They may say, oh, yeah, I believe all this and I believe all that. 
But ultimately, the reason men don't do what that verse says in the fact of cease from your labors is because man still thinks that there's something they can do to gain merit and favor with God. And I was there. But praise God, by the grace of God, I'm not there no more. Now I, now I know a little bit. Now I know a little bit, beloved. And look at this. But if, well, we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I may live unto God. Look at this wonderful verse here. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, nevertheless I, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives where? In me. He lives in us, beloved. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. How does one frustrate the grace of God? By trying to be, by trying to be saved by your works. Paul says, I don't frustrate. I've, I've given all. I count all that but dung. Remember? I count it all but dung. All that stuff. I don't frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the, the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And we know, we know Christ did not die in vain. We know that. He came here to save his people from their sins, and he did it, beloved. Hallelujah. And praise God that we're included in that number, we who are believers. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? It's absolutely wonderful. He gave him, look, and look, it says that, look, look what Paul wrote, and every believer can say this in verse 20, and gave himself for me. Just let that sit. You get down this week, beloved, something comes up in the world, you get down, just remember this. He gave himself for me. This old sinner. And if you're a believer, he gave himself for you. That's the best news we ever hear, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Mm. That's just amazing. So when Paul and Barnabas and Titus met with the apostles in Jerusalem, Peter was there and Titus was there. He's a Greek and he wasn't compelled to be circumcised. We saw that earlier in this chapter. He wasn't compelled to be circumcised as the Judaizers wanted him to do. And Peter agreed with them that, well, no, you don't have to be circumcised. Not at all. Not at all. Because the circumcision that the Holy Spirit does is the circumcision of the heart. Which means we're born again. It's an operation of God, Paul tells us in Colossians. It's an operation of God. He is the author of it. He is the one who does it. Gives us a new heart, right? That hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Which is Christ. He's our righteousness. Oh, it's wonderful. And when the apostle... When James and Peter and John gave the right hand of fellowship to Paul and Barnabas, remember, they gave them the right hand of fellowship, and they blessed to Paul and Barnabas, and they said, you guys go to the Gentiles, we're going to go to the Jews. Right? Paul agreed to that. Paul agreed to that. But Paul doesn't agree with separations in the church normally, does he? No, because we're what? We're one in Christ, aren't we? But he agreed that he, go, he, was, he was called to the Gentiles. Peter was called to the, uh, the circumcision. Same gospel. Same gospel. Sent by the same master. Right? 
Think of, think of me sent here and David sent down to Ecuador. Same master, same one sending us, right? Off we go, wherever God sends us. Same thing, same thing. My, oh my. And we looked at, last week, Peter comes to Antioch. Here he comes to Antioch, and he's, they're all sitting. After, after, after Paul and Barnabas were given the right hand of fellowship, they came back to Antioch, and now Jews and Gentiles, they're sitting there eating together. They're having a wonderful time. They're having fellowship, sweet fellowship. Because why? Because as Paul wrote, there, there's neither barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but we're one in Christ. We're one in Christ. We have brothers and sisters all over the world, beloved. We're one in Christ with them. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And he was, as far as we know, he was, uh, he was eating with them without reservation. He's probably having a wonderful time meeting all these new brothers and sisters in Christ. Gentiles. People he never would have ate with before, right? Having a wonderful time with them. And then here comes these prominent Jews, the zealous of the law. They're believers, but they still got grave clothes. Remember when we looked at that too? They still got grave clothes on, don't they? Oh my, we've still got grave clothes on, beloved. They're falling away here and there, but we still got them. We still got them. We're all recovering Pharisees. That's what we are. We all are. And then what happened? Peter withdrew from them, causing a division among the brethren. To the point of influence, the other Jews that were there and Barnabas, they were all carried away with the dissimulation. And, and Paul's remarks were directed at Peter here. These remarks are directed at Peter. Paul's going to bring forth in his rebuke to Peter the wonderful, just, wonderful doctrine of justification in Christ and through Christ alone by faith. By God-given faith, right? And, and who's the object of our faith? It's Christ. It's Christ. So that God-given faith has one object, the one who is our justification, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see? It all, it all comes back to Christ. It all comes back to him. And so he's speaking to Paul. He's speaking quite, quite sternly. And God-given faith causes us to look away from our works and look to Christ. That's what it does. I remember when I was in religion. I was always talking about what I was doing. And I was a religious. That, that I, was, I was a. Boy, I'll tell you what. I, I'd go out door knocking. It was after I'd left the Catholic Church. I went from, the, I went from the, the fire to the bonfire. Of religion. Oh my. I always had to do this. And always had to do that. How many doors we knocked on. Thinking, oh, the lesser Christians don't go door knocking. Oh, awful stuff. Just, just so full of pride, beloved. Self-righteousness. God delivered me from that. And I praise his name. You know, it's not about how much we read the Bible, although I would never say don't read your Bible. Read your Bible. But don't think that reading your Bible so much is gaining you merit and favor with God, because it's not. Pray to God. Pray as much as you can to God. But don't think praying to God 15 hours a day is going to get you more merit than, than your brother or sister over here who prays an hour or half an hour or 10 minutes a day. Our merit and favor with God does not come from anything we do. 
It comes from Christ and him alone. Now, why do we do those things? Why do we want to pray? Because we get to. It's a privilege, isn't it? Why do we read our Bible? It's a privilege. I want to learn about my king. Why do we sit and listen to gospel messages? Because they're edifying. And, and they, they just tell us about the Lord Jesus Christ, don't they? We get to do these things now. It's not a duty. It's, it's a blessing. You see the difference? There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. Oh, my. I, I'll never forget. I used to try to, when I was a religious, I used to try to read 10 chapters a day. But you know how much I remembered? Donut. But I was sure proud of reading them 10 chapters a day. And then I heard Henry Mahan in a message one time. And he says, better to read one chapter with understanding than 10 chapters and I'll tell you what, kaboing, right between the eyes. Is that not true? Better to not prayerfully just go through some verses and, and get an understanding from the Holy Spirit illuminating that than bragging that I read all this scripture? You know how I get most of my messages? The ones that I just preach that, that aren't in series? From doing cross-references and stuff when I'm in my other studies with, with the book of... Um, John 17 right now and, and with Galatians. Like, oh, oh, or one of you will say, hey, check this verse out over here. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to preach on that. <laughs> you see? Isn't it wonderful? It's wonderful, beloved. Oh, it's wonderful. So, you know, none of these things can justify us before God. The only way we can be justified before God is in Christ and him alone. In him alone. So, and, and think of this. I was thinking about this this week. Isn't it wondrous that God in his providence, right? Because we know all things work for good, right? For those who, who love Christ Jesus. For those who are the called according to his purpose. They always leave that line out, right? But think of this. Here we are 2,000 plus years later. We're, we're studying this book of Galatians. It's been a wonderful study. And here God allowed this, this to occur with Peter. Right? He allowed it to happen for our learning. Isn't that amazing? And it's the Holy Spirit that's bringing these things to remembrance to Paul as he's penning these things down. So obviously the Holy Spirit wanted us to learn from this or it would never be in Scripture, right? So even the error that Peter did, and, and I was thinking about this, how all things work for good for those who are, who are the called according to God. That worked for good for Peter, didn't it? I bet you he never did that again. I was thinking, I bet you he never did that again. I bet you, I bet you he thought, oh, I'm so ashamed, Lord. Because that's how we'd feel, wouldn't we? I'm so ashamed. See, this is why it's key for all of us, preachers too, all of us, to have a teachable spirit. Because this was, you know, this was Peter. And Paul just withstood him and said, this is wrong. This is wrong, my dear brother. What you're doing is wrong. We can never be justified by anything we do. Nothing at all. Oh, my. And so he allowed this to happen, that the keystone, right, justification in Christ and through Christ might be brought forth in the Scriptures. I just, I'm just amazed more and more at God's providence, how he allows these things to happen. Even things in our lives, too. 
Look back in your own life. There's things he's allowed to happen for our learning. We look back at it and go, oh, Lord. You know, thank you for carrying me through that. You know, and we usually come out stronger on the other side, don't we? In our faith in Christ. Always looking to him. Not looking to ourselves because I'm weak. Are you? I'm weak. And I'm being taught every day I'm weak. But he's strong. He's strong. Let's read this verse again. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So clear. So clear, beloved. That's why Paul says in, in chapter 5, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and be not again entangled in the yoke of bondage. What freedom? We're free, beloved. We're set free in Christ. Now, the law is still there, right? We, we love the law of God. It's, it's holy like he is. It's uh, incredible. But we can never fulfill it. It, it. it shows us our desperate need for Christ, doesn't it? That, that was what the law is for. To show us that we're a bunch of sinners. And, and if we're honest, we broke every one of them. If not by deed, by thought. Right? Remember when, when the Lord spiritualized the law and he said to those men, if you look on a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. He had every one of them right there, didn't he? Right? And you could apply that to both men and women, couldn't you? Yeah. And then, and then he says, if you're angry with your brother, you already killed him. <laughs> How many times have we been angry with folks? You see, praise God for salvation in Christ. Praise his mighty name that all our sins are forgiven. All those sins, all those, those law-breaking sins are completely forgiven in Christ Jesus our Lord. Gone as far as the east is from the west. Wash clean the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice the, the words, the word knowing, as I said earlier, in, in verse 16, Paul is talking to Peter about something he knows. He's been taken out of the Jewish religion, right? He's, he's talking to Peter now. He's saying, you guys know this. You've been taught this. See, this is why it's good for us to be reminded, isn't it? And you know what? Gospel preaching just reminds us of what Christ did for us, doesn't it? Every week we come and hear about Christ, come and hear what, what he did for us, and we're just amazed and marvel at, at what he's done for us. It's incredible. So he says, you already know this. You already know this. You know that a man or woman cannot be justified by the law. And, and isn't it incredible how clearly this verse brings that forth? It's so clear, isn't it? It's so clear that justification is by Christ Jesus and him alone. And Peter and Paul and Barnabas and other believing Jews, they knew that the law itself, which requires, what does the law require? Perfect obedience. Perfect. Well, we're a bunch of imperfect beings, aren't we? Well, we're done right there, right? Perfect obedience. 
And it accuses and holds guilty and pronounces condemnation and death upon anyone who would break any of the law of God. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Look at this. This is so clear here. This is so clear here. And, and this, this, I'll tell you what. I thank God for that verse in Galatians where it says we're justified by Christ because look at what this verse says about the law. These verses say about the law. And this includes all of us, too, in our natural state. Look at this. Romans 3, verses 19 and 20. Now we know, again, look, same verbiage, right? We know. This is something we know. This is something that God the Holy Spirit has taught his people. See, you, this is used oftentimes by the apostles because he's saying, you know these things. But just because we know them doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to them again, right? Because you know what? I forget a lot. Do you forget a lot? <laughs> yeah, sister. Yeah. We forget a lot. Yeah, we go out the door, like you said, and poof, gone. Right? Look at this. This is amazing. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to him, them who are under the law. So who's under the law? Every human being born into this earth in our natural state, under the law. Look what the law says. It saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become what? What's that word there? Guilty. Guilty. That's the state of all mankind in our natural state. Guilty before God. See, we're no longer guilty, are we? We who are the people of God, we're no longer guilty. We're no longer under the law. Christ died for us. He satisfied the law. He's the end of the law for righteousness for we who are his people. That's good news, isn't it? Because otherwise we're what? We're guilty. And, and people are guilty whether they believe it or not. I always tell people that when I'm out and about and they say, well, I'm not guilty before God. I said, well, the scriptures declare that you're guilty before God. You are guilty. There's none righteous, no, not one. Right? None. That that's includes everybody. Includes everybody. Look at there. Look at the next, look at the next verse. So again, considering the verse we're studying right now. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall what? No flesh be justified in his sight. No flesh can be justified in God's sight by the works of the law. It's so clear, isn't it? And yet you have people out there trying to work their way to heaven, trying to gain merit and favor with God, and they're just making themselves twofold the child of hell. My, oh, my. Now, look, it says, for by the law is what? The knowledge of sin. See, we didn't understand sin. You and I have talked about that. I didn't understand sin when I was dead in trespasses and sins. I didn't understand sin when I was a religious dead in trespasses and sins. Only by the grace of God when he saved me, when I was born again. Now I know what sin is. And now I don't even, still don't even think we see how, how awful it is. We don't have a full understanding of the dreadfulness of sin. It's so awful that Christ had to go to the cross and redeem us with his precious blood, beloved. It's such a crime against our great God that he sent his only begotten son into this world to save us from our sins. Oh, my. Deuteronomy says this. Listen to this. Cursed be he that conformeth not all the words of this law to do them. 
and all the people shall say amen. So cursed be, cursed be the, anyone who can't do all the law. Oh my. We just read in Romans that all the world is guilty before God according to the law and that we can't justify ourselves by the works of the law. My. So anyone who seeks justification by their works, by the deeds of the law, and trust in their own works and righteousness for acceptance with God, they're under the curse of the law. They're under the curse of the law. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Now look at this. Ah. And remember, this faith that's given to us is is God-given faith, right? It has one object, right? And that's Christ and him alone. He's the object of our faith, isn't he? He's the object of our faith. Look what this verse says here. Colossians, or Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. Look at that. No one. So if we have friends that are trying to work their way to heaven, we'll say, you can never be justified by anything you do. That's so clear, isn't it? It is evident for the just shall live by what? Faith. God-given faith. Again, who's the object of that faith? The one who justified us. The Lord Jesus Christ. We live by faith. We live, we live looking to him, don't we? We used to look to ourselves. I, look, I used to look to myself. I used to look to myself and think, oh yeah, I got to do this, I got to do all that. When I was Catholic, I used to think, God would put me in the scales of justice and, and my good would outweigh my bad. Oh, that's so horrible, isn't it? That's so horrible. Because it's never true, is it? Guilty, 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 Wayne Boyd. But now, when I see the blood, the Father says, I'll pass over you. Isn't that wonderful? Not guilty. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? Not guilty, yeah? holy and blameless in his sight, even though we're still sinners, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So it's, it's so clear here. It's so here, clear here that, that we cannot be justified by the works of the law. Now, there were many justified before the law was given. Do you know that? Before the law was given, there was many justified. There was Abel and Noah and Job, and Abraham, and all the believers. And there were many justified even during the dispensation of the law. But none of them were justified by his or her, her obedience to the law. They were looking to Christ, beloved. They were justified by faith, looking to Christ. You see? It always comes back to our king. There was never any way to be justified in the Old Testament by works of the law. And there's not, never any way to be justified in the New Testament by the works of the law. The only way we can be justified is looking to Christ by God-given faith. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful, isn't it? Oh, my. The law was not given to, to save. The law was given to reveal sin. It was given to reveal sin. It was given to lead us to Christ. To reveal Christ to us. And no man can ever perfectly keep the law except the Lord Jesus Christ. He did it, didn't he? 
the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He did it. He's the only one. And he's the God-man. <laughs> but no son or daughter of Adam has ever kept the law perfectly. We're just guilty. I remember those things we used to get paid. Remember, we talked about that before and when we were younger. You go to the store and I always like to get the paper after my dad got it. Keep looking at it. It's the stamp. And I even asked the guy, can I stamp it? Can I stamp it? The guy goes, yeah, take the stamp. And he stamped that paid. See? It was guilty for us. And now it's pardoned. Pardoned by the blood of Christ. By the blood of Christ. Oh, it's, that, 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 that black word guilty has been covered by the red word pardoned. Pardoned by the blood of Christ. That's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. The just shall live by faith. God-given faith. One object it has, and that's Christ who justified us. And any requirement or obedience of the law or rule to merit salvation that anyone makes up, And that principle is not limited just to the Mosaic law, but any system of belief which makes salvation dependent upon what we do. What we do for God. You see? People say, well, I'm doing it for God. No, you're trying to gain merit and favor with God is what you're trying to do by your doing. Oh, any system that does that Instead of God, it, it, you know, and you know what those systems do? They replace what God's done for us in Christ. That's all that matters, isn't it? Not what we do for God, but what God's done for us. And see, that's all preachers and missionaries. We just go around telling people about what God's done for us. That's what we do. Look at the great things God's done. It's wonderful. He saved my soul. I'm justified in him. I'm going I'm to be in God's presence because of what Christ did for me. He bled and died for me at Calvary's cross. And there's nothing I can do, nothing I did that deserves this wonderful grace and mercy. Nothing at all. Oh, my. There's no salvation if a man or woman's dependent on something they do. Along with, even along with the work of Christ. People think they, they start, uh, that's what the Judaizers were doing. They were adding, they were saying, well, yeah, salvation's in Christ, but you also have to be circumcised. Nope. Salvation's in Christ alone. And, and see, what's being brought forth here, think of this, God and his providence had this happen. This would totally combat what the Judaizers are bringing forth, wouldn't it? See how wise God is? He's so much wiser than we are. He allows this circumstance to happen, to be, to, for Paul to be able to write about it to those Galatians and say, look at this. We're justified by faith alone in Christ alone. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful. Turn if you would. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to run out of time again. But I'm going to close with this. Look at, look at Galatians chapter 5 here. This is, this is truly amazing. Here we are 2,000 years ago. And we're, we're read, or 2,000 years later read, reading this and getting a blessing out of it. Look at this. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Stand fast, stand firm in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Don't be entangled again. Right? It says that. 
in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not again entangled with the yoke of bondage. Don't be entangled again by someone telling you you've got to do something to be saved along with what Christ has done. Salvation is in Christ, in Christ alone, plus absolutely nothing. And then look at Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now remember, that's what the Judaizers are saying. You have to be circumcised to be saved. So he's telling them right out. He says, he says you go get circumcised, Christ profits you absolutely nothing because you're doing that to try to be saved. So put anything else in there. Baptism. Sabbatarians that say you have to worship on Saturday. Put anything else in there. You just keep putting it in there. You do those things to gain merit and favor with God, Christ is nothing. For I, again, I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. You want to live by one point of the law, you've got to live by it all. Well, come on, Wayne. It can't be that stern. Yeah, that's what the scripture said when we read there in Deuteronomy. Cursed is anyone who, who doesn't do everything in the law. Oh, my. Christ has become, look at this. Look what he, he, he is firm, man. I'll tell you, he's, he's speaking in firm language here. Christ has become of no effect to you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you've fallen from grace. You don't know what grace is about. For we through the Spirit wait for what? The hope of righteousness by faith. That's Christ. We're waiting for him right now, aren't we? We're waiting for him to either come at our death or we're waiting for him to come again. <laughs> but we're waiting, aren't we? He's the hope. He's the hope of our righteousness. He is the Lord of our righteousness. He's everything to us. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Oh, it's wonderful. Isn't it wonderful? God's so merciful to us. He's so wonderful. He's so merciful. Oh, 